I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is The Athletic Hockey Show, Tuesday edition, where we give the people what they want. A, no Craig Custins. B, lots of Max Boltman. C, for the next hour and a half, you guessed it. More Mitchell Miller discussion. Let's go. There's still more meat on that bone. What were the Boston Bruins thinking? What comes next? This is what we're going to talk about for the next 86 minutes, right, Maxie? No, just kidding. Just kidding. No more Mitchell Miller talk. But Max is here. Hey, buddy. Hey, I, I like coming on this show for two reasons, Sean. First, I get to put on my custom Tuesday boys slippers mm-hmm. that I'm not allowed to wear except on days that I guest host. That's, right. That's really nice. And two, because 
I get to pretend like you guys haven't talked about anything going on in the league and that I'm giving you. Did you hear about the New Jersey Devils? I'm giving you all this for the first time. The Pittsburgh Penguins are in trouble, Sean, and I'm going to tell you about it. Hey, uh, what was the start to the Penguin season like? Have they gone on kind of a backslide for the last for the last two weeks? Is that, is, is that what's happening? I'm glad you asked. It started great, and then they've hit hard times. <laughs> Spoiler, it's all Kasperi Kapanen's fault. <laughs> <laughs> We're joined also today by... Rob Rossi. He's he's our guest. Rossi's Rossi's my boy. He's here to talk penguins. He's in the second segment. Gave us some pretty pretty good intel because I, I haven't I, I I haven't been around much. I haven't been to any practices. I haven't been to many games. So I don't really know what's going on with the penguins. <laughs> I don't know shit. That's the that's my big secret. I'm I'm even dumber than you'd guessed. <laughs> And I need dudes like Rossi to tell me how it works. So he's he's around to do that. Uh, but first, Maxi, since we got you, I think our plan here for the first segment is an unofficial tour around the Atlantic Division because that's I, we knew that was going to be an interesting one, right? I think we knew that it was going to be deep potentially, and that if nothing else, there were a lot of a lot of interesting squads that people were watching closely. Uh, at the start of the season, it got boring. It got over over played. I guess is is the right is maybe the right way to put it. Because it was like, oh yeah, the Atlantic Division, this that. You get tired of hearing about the Sabers and the Wings and you know the Sens, this kind of teams that are on the come up. And now we're you know twelve, thirteen games in, and we kind of have a have a sense of where these teams are, and the and the team you cover is kind of at the forefront of it. So I don't know. Is there is there one is there one big takeaway for the Wings that you have through this through the first uh, little chunk of games here? Well, I think mostly just surviving some pretty brutal like player personnel injuries and 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 other uh, situations. I mean, Jacob Verón is in the player assistance program. Tyler Bertuzzi broke something or injured something. Um, the second game of the season, broke some, four to six broke weeks, something. upper body. That's what it says. You know, That's actually what it's, it seemed like a puck to the hand to me, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> Who can say really? Sure, I don't know. That's what it yeah. says. That's what it says on the Red Wings injury report is uh, broke something, maybe. Something. <laughs> Usually four <laughs> to six weeks on a shot block. We know what that is, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Robbie Fabry still out. Uh, Oscar Sundquist out with an injury that's lasted like longer than expected to. And so like all of a sudden it seemed like the depth that Steve Eiserman kind of went out of his way to accumulate was like, well, there it goes. Uh, but they found a way to seven, three and two. Uh, there are some underlyings that tell you beware, mm-hmm. but I, I think they're, you know, the goaltending has been quite good. I think they found a way with like, you know, they're, there's like the fucking like the six most shots in the league. Like they're all bought in, you know, they've had mm-hmm. two guys out. Zadina just went out blocking the shot too, and they're still doing it. So, I don't know. There's something. There's something to it. Um, Derek, maybe it's the Derek Lalonde effect. Maybe it's the veterans that they brought in. They finally have a competent power play. Um, all these little things seem like they're adding up. And you know, I, I was really skeptical early because of the schedule. But their last three are over. You know, the Islanders who look maybe back. Yeah. The Rangers who are admittedly like they're down for sure, but still talented team. And and the Capitals who you know I, I think that one is a little more more cause for alarm but Mm -hmm. real teams nonetheless is my point i don't want to do like a progress report on all the various guys that eisenman brought in because that's you know we don't need to belabor the point there but of that group of perron and sharat and andrew cop and Olimata and these these and 
um, what's his face from from, from Chicago? Kubelik, yeah, Kubelik. Thank you. Uh, is there has there been one surprise, good or bad, that kind of sticks out for you? Man, yeah. Uh, honestly, there are a couple. Like, mm-hmm. it's probably Kubelik and Mata for me. Uh, Kubelik. I mean, I don't think anyone saw this kind of offense coming right. Away. I think a lot of people thought he's not going to repeat what happened last year in Chicago. Uh, but basically, since day one of camp, he's been a better rounded player than I expected for sure. My my thoughts on him when they made that move were, okay, this this dude is going to bounce back a little bit and he'll help on the power play. I don't think I saw him scoring, you know, at whatever, a 30-goal pace or whatever he's 40 right now. 40? I mean, Je- like, yeah. Jesus, Jesus, man. No, it's early. But yeah, like six goals in 12 and a, and a ton of it. He's helped the power play a ton. I, like, mm-hmm. I just thought this was like a spot up shooter basically like Mm -hmm. and and i feel bad for that because not only has he been active on the forecheck and and all this stuff like he's finding lucas raymond on these little backdoor plays at the post that it's i swear they have three goals off him maybe more than that they Hmm. they have at least three goals off them in like the last four games five games so he's he's helped the power play a ton also a player that the black you know why now we know why he was available because the blackhawks knew that he was going to bounce back yeah, and he'll, they, he'll want this, they right. gotta get get this dude out the paint he's he's gonna help too much in in a tank fest 2022 no, uh what's going sure. on what's what's going on with andrew cop the numbers are ugly i haven't watched a ton of them is is there is someone who watches that team every day are you concerned about what you're seeing from him it was really i think just like the first he, he missed the entire training camp so mm-hmm. the first like six seven games i think you just kind of saw in my opinion like rust and mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit of frustration that came with that like as he starts to be like okay why am i not on the score sheet but um the last five six games i think it's looked more like what you thought really starting with the minnesota game uh they beat the wild in a close game and he he played the kind of game you you bring andrew cop into play right like tight check yeah. he, he starts to swing the ice a little bit for you uh, I don't even think he scored in that one either, but he was super noticeable. And then it kind of started a, a, a little cascade of points coming in recently. He, he's got a few in the in the last three games, so uh, that's starting to click for him. I I chalk it up mostly to rust. I mean, he he's never going to be like the the blazing fast, like notice him every single shift for his offense kind of guy. But yeah, I think he's making the, the little plays that you want Andrew Cop to make. I think that's sort of, you know, if he regresses maybe back from the offensive guy he was last season, I think that's that'd still be okay because he was a useful guy before he was, you know, putting up points at the pace he was with Edmonton with um with a Winnipeg and and uh in the Rangers last season. He he can he can do a lot of stuff, but man, some some of the underlyings, especially last week were were uh, yeah. were, were 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 pretty rough and frankly out of character for him so that makes sense the and other that's guy- team wide right like, like the underlings mm-hmm. for most of their team like it's, yeah. it's pretty much just the Mata Heronic pair and like yeah. new suitor like the under that, like the right. underlings so that that kind of leads me into to the I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into you know Sean interviews Max about the Red Wings but that does lead me into the one last kind of thing I want to hit on there uh Sherat and Cider does that work? What's going on there? Because it, I think there's, I think we're at the point now where you got to, you got to wonder if the, if the bad does not weigh the good with having those two together. Yeah. What's interesting about it is I don't think the the issue has been like some kind of like anchoring effect that everyone mm-hmm. expected to see mm-hmm. there. I think if there, if I could diagnose it from up top and I am not claiming that I have all the answers here, but Cider to me looks like he's doing too much. He's trying to, 
be the Calder winner, be the top 10 Norris guy. His, that we all- he's doing a lot of work in transition. And it seems like yes. the dude, that dude might have too much dip on the chip for, for, for year two. Yeah, little cutbacks when it's like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the chip out, whatever. It, it, and, yeah. and I don't, I'm not saying that Sherratt's been like blameless or anything like that. Like, I think we all know the, the, the I'm pros not here and cons to, of I'm, this game. I, I, yeah, I'm not here to relitigate Ben Sherratt. Like, like that totally. dude, he is what he is. And that's a, that's a very boring conversation to have in, you know, November of 2022. But, but like, I actually but, wouldn't okay. get away from the pair, I guess, is where mm-hmm. I'm going. Okay. With that, that's, right? Like, that's, I, that's I, what I, I was giving a little more time. So let's see. We're looking at the schedule. We know that you've seen every Atlantic team so far outside of Florida and Tampa because they haven't they haven't made their respective trips. Is there? Well, I have, like, there's a couple I haven't seen like lot. Like I, I haven't. Detroit hasn't played Ottawa. Detroit hasn't played Toronto. But but I've seen those teams. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. Uh, that's you. You personally haven't haven't watched a ton of. Tampa and a ton of Florida, and that's fine. I don't yeah. think either of us needs to watch all that much of those teams at this point, especially Tampa. They're just like, whatever. You assume that the bottom six is going to fix itself, and in the meantime, Kucherov and and, and the top player is going to carry him, which is what has happened, by the way. And Florida is yep. just, you know, we'll see. It's That's the that's the Matthew Kachuk show for the time being in, until he tries to scoop out I another – Until that. he tries to <laughs> scoop out another goaltender's eye. I did see that, just, yeah. Which is insanity. Everything's clicking for Florida except the power play. That's like kind of that's kind of the the one the one note on them. But I did want to see what you thought of you know those other up and coming teams. All those all those those two or three that we got tired of hearing about. You know, ahead of the preseason, like what have you seen from the Sabers? What have you seen from the Sens? Is there is there is there a stratific? I mean, obviously Buffalo is playing significantly better than Ottawa, so we'll, so we'll start with them. Yeah, like, what, 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 what were your takeaways from that group? Well, I watched them beat Detroit eight to three. That's uh, right. In the, the Tage Thompson show game. Um, mm. Honestly, like what's been interesting, Derek Lalone was was talking about some of the Red Wings' losses, and he he says like you know two of our losses obviously on the road to two of the deeper forward groups in the league, and he's talking mm-hmm. about Boston, is obviously, and yeah. Buffalo, mm-hmm. and it, it's crazy how fast we go from the point of the Jack Eichel trade. And like, oh, they're going to have to initiate a whole new rebuild cycle to pretty much right away. Like there's a coach talking about them as one of the deeper forward groups in the league. And I, I went and looked and I was like, is that right? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Some it of is. these young kids are progressing fast enough. I can buy this. Like Tage Thompson, is it was not a fluke at all. Like that uh-huh. is pretty much clear already. And some of these young guys, Krebs, Paterka, like they're already making impacts and and that's a really and honestly, it's very fun to see because I don't know if there's any market. A lot of markets have oh, suffered. God. Yeah, no markets have like suffered with passion quite as much as the way that Buffalo has over the last decade. Totally, there's any number of reasons for that fan base to have completely tuned out over the last eleven or twelve years, and it hasn't happened. So, yeah, I mean, dude, you know this. This is a very pro Buffalo Sabers space. Yeah, um, wearing your prospect guy hat. Like, is there out of the young, out of the young guys on, on Buffalo, Paterka, Quinn, well, I feel like Cousins has elevated himself kind of out yeah, of we got to exempt Krebs, like power. Cousins, Cousins and power, like those yeah. guys, whatever. Those guys don't count. Krebs, I think, was coming, was coming into a pretty important season for him devel- developmentally. You know, is there, uh, is there in your dual capacity as a dude who covers another Atlantic division team? And and then a, a guy who follows prospects pretty closely. Like, what do you what do you think of what do you think of him? 
Yeah, I think Quinn got his first goal in the game I watched. So obviously that, you know, that was good for him. But I think Paterka is one of the guys who I just, I, I don't, I don't think you expect a second round pick to get here and make an impact as quickly as he has. I mean, both of those guys are, are part of it for sure. Uh, but I think that the speed that Paterka's moved through it and become like a legit middle six NHL player already at such wow. a young age is, is huge. So. Those would be the two, but uh, I'd probably lean Paterka just because I don't, you know, Quinn was still a top 10 pick. Like it's, this is about the time you want him to be starting to make this kind of impact. And, and to me, Paterka has been like maybe even, maybe even a little better and totally and was a later round pick. We talked to Don Granado last week, Craig and I did. And, you know, one of the guys he spoke about at length was Quinn because he had to, he had to kind of give him a breather at the start of the season. And I thought that was, I mean, a, a lot of people listening to this already heard that, and and if and if you want to, you know, go back and listen to it. But I thought what he said about Quinn was interesting and one of the better answers from another an, another set of pretty good ones. Yeah, Buffalo man. How about Casey Middlestat like being <sighs> relevant? Like I was ready to give up on Casey yep. Middlestat, like hand up, and yep. he's playing a role. I think this is like finally he's like in that. I feel like. These guys are from now on are going to be called Troy Terry kind of players where it's like where it's it, and obviously the skill set doesn't quite line up, but players who year after year after year, it's like watch dude X. He is the breakout candidate. He is he is the player to watch. And at a certain point, you're just like, this isn't going to happen. Like, like we're on year. This is year. Th- like, you can only do that so many times. You can only be the up and coming dude, you know. The over under is two and a half on that, right? And I feel like middle stat finally, when he got out of that mode where it's like, all right, everybody watch out for Casey Middlestat. He had a great offseason and he's healthy and he's this and he's that, because we'd heard that over and over and over again for really the past two seasons. It feels like he finally broke out of that cycle where he was getting hyped up coming into the year. And now he's actually producing at a level that people kind of expected. And that's what we saw from Troy Terry last year, right? He totally. turned it. He turned into you know a thirty goal capable guy after years of people, a couple years of people ex- expecting it and him kind of falling short. So I feel like Middlestat's kind of in that group now, right? Totally. We don't need to become the the hockey podcast that lectures everybody that this takes time. But it's yeah, it, we wouldn't be wrong to throw one reminder of that in. Totally. Because you know? sometimes, because sometimes it doesn't take time. Like players show yeah. up, at, they show up and they're fully formed. Like look, right. look on his own team, JJ Paterka. You you just brought him up. Like the dude, it, it pop pops up. He's a name that people knew from a draft oh, and power. list, and that's it. Like I mean, he's yeah. one overall, whatever. But like you know, still, it's he's you know, it, yeah. yeah. There he's are ready. guys, there are young players who come in and are ready to play top half of the lineup, roles, power, even if they're not at their peak. But powers powers fascinating because I he they they were they played the Penguins recently and they were on on the local broadcast and power is like. At this point in his career, he really is like all or nothing. He's he. You're either looking at him and you're like, this guy is he's already all star caliber, like you know, very clear. And then you watch him again, and you're like, nope, he is 19. That's right, that's right. There it is. It's like like shift to shift. He's either he's he's trying to do a lot, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it really really doesn't. But the end result, you know, is just a totally a totally fascinating guy. Yeah, no, I, I'm a I'm a power believer. Um, I'm a Jake Sanderson believer, which maybe is, is the next team we go to when, when we're yeah. when we're done on. Uh, there we go. You know, no, Sanderson's a 
Sanderson's a stud, man. <laughs> like he's he's really good. And he's he's interesting to me because he's kind of the you know how every year there's kind of the the skepticism, I think, publicly that like s- some late rising defenseman is just being propped up because they're this mm-hmm. like physical defensive guy. That was the narrative in Jake Sanderson's year. Every no one no one would believe that Jake Sanderson was a good hockey player. And all he has done since the day he was drafted is just be an absolute dude. Uh-huh. From the jump, too. Like, I, I was – the draft year stuff was what it was. Like, I, that's tough for me to – I mean, we, we've we talked about this on the show. We've talked about this, just me and you bullshitting. Like, yep. I just outsource the draft stuff. I'm like, this. Like Corey can tell me about this, and Scott Wheeler can tell me about this, and you can tell me. Like, I'm like, that's it. Like, that's a thing that I don't have – the bandwidth to pay pay all that much attention to. So my shit on the draft comes from people that I trust or, and, or, and, or work with in the case of Corey Brown. I don't, I don't, I don't don't know. I don't know if I trust him. Uh, but so the draft, your stuff on Sanderson, that's a very, you know, long window way of getting out. Like I was like, that was what it was. But man, you just see that there's just so much skill there. There's so much skill across the board, whether it, whether it's the it's the skating or the brain or, or or whatever. Like he's one of those guys you watch him play now, and you're like, a, I'm not sure how there was ever any debate over it, and b, like I wish I wouldn't have like cracked jokes about how people were casting this dude in bronze before his <laughs> first game because he looks that good. Basically, I was like, up, oh, I probably I probably should have been a little bit more of a believer than I was. It's it's funny though because like there there are some. I, there are D who I get it with. Like I got it when people were like wanted to be a little skeptical on like Braden Schneider. Like I, I was a Braden Schneider believer, totally. but I got it. Like it, it, it's, it, but with Jake Sanderson, like you just watch him move and like you see him skate and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's a dude. <laughs> if you have a top 10 pick with all the, all the measurables, all the, all the skills, like at some point you're just like, okay, that you, you can internalize yeah. the idea that this guy's going to be good. This isn't your like, only fear is like, am I getting Ristolainen subliminally somehow? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, I, I have that, I have that actually, uh, I have that glazed onto a plate hanging above <laughs> my, hang above my, am I getting Ristolainen? Ristolainen? That's, that's the question everybody needs to ask themselves unless you're, unless you're uh Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> didn't ask himself that um but yeah man like sanderson is he's a he's a dude he is and i feel like there is kind of especially with defensemen for whatever reason present company included there is that desire to like sort of be like all right put the put the brakes on let's see let's see what this guy looks like but i it wasn't wasn't warranted for him well and we know how i I don't mean to be like the the big you know, defensive D is always like, there's ample examples. I get where the skepticism comes from. Like, and I'm, I certainly am guilty of it plenty of times too. Um, you know, but, but he's, he's not, he's not, he's, uh, I think, I think we're safe to say he's cleared it. Right. And, and it's just uh, funny that he, fun. it's just funny that he had like an all D rep ever. I know at, 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 at any point, like you, and like I, you I watched- probably did. I probably fueled that. I mean, like, like the, the counting stats weren't there that much, yeah. like in his draft year. Uh, they were starting to, I guess, come on. Um, but the highlights, when you watched him, it was like, look at this dude gap. And everyone was like, shut up. <laughs> I, it's I didn't it's get true. It, it's true. And sometimes with guys like that, it can be a system thing too. Like you, maybe he wasn't, he wasn't with a group where, you know, he was 
asked to do all that much, but that doesn't mean that the physical tools aren't there, right? So right. Yeah, that dude's dude's as good as advertised. We one thing we should say about the sends. Um because this we're recording obviously on Tuesday. Pierre Dorian on Monday gave DJ Smith a very weird uh non-vote of confidence slash vote of confidence where he talked about himself in the in the in the third person and said you know, he's happy with DJ and Pierre Dorian is a patient man and all, all this weirdo, all this weirdo stuff. So it seems like DJ is going to stick around at least for a little bit longer. Uh, that team is, you know, it's not quite, it's not quite big yet. A and Josh Norris is out. I mean, it's quasi good news for them because he's not going to need surgery on, on, on the shoulder. It seemed like he was for a little bit. Um, but it's, it's been uneven for them, right? There was a bad start. There was some good play in the middle and now it's we're talking about you know dj smith maybe or maybe not keeping his job for the duration of the season yeah max boltman did hear that that comment that he made uh <laughs> <laughs> we should start doing that we need to start we need to start talking in third person max boltman uh, is a patient man <laughs> I, some would disagree <laughs> my fiance is about four feet over i don't know if she would tell you it's I'm always extremely it's always, patient it's, it, it's always funny to realize to, to see people realize that Max is, is an anxiety guy. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't scan at first, but you hang out with him for a little bit, you'll figure it out in due time, like, my friend. Wow, he's really fidgeting about making our <laughs> dinner reservations. <laughs> Max, Max Bullman is not a patient man. Um, yeah, um, I, so you see it. You just that just had a sends uh, a sends wings game, didn't you? Didn't that no, just not yet. Or, or it, am I imagining it, it, that? Okay. No, not yet. But it, it'll it'll come. And, but it, but they you know obviously they're a story, right? Like I've I've seen a little bit of them, and it, it, I mean the story is just the defense, right? Like and we just got done praising you know basically making the statue of Jake Sanderson, uh, but the, the center's team defense, right? That that is holding them back. Like they got they're at the point in this thing where they have all these fun young guys, and now like like you said with Norris, like they get hurt, and then they they have kind of this they're starting to kind of take, take control of the team, drive the bus. But like, what do we know about young guys? Like they takes them a little bit to figure out the other end. And in it's, some, it's inevitable. In, in some of those guys aren't going to work. Like yeah. when, when we're looking at this team in four years, and this is true for every good young team, every single one, that's why these teams are fun to watch is you, is you see in real time who has it and who doesn't like, who's going to be a piece moving forward and who's not. It's happened across the board. There are, it happened with the Avs, and it happened with Tampa, and it happened with Chicago and Pittsburgh. Any team that has protracted success stemming from a young core over a significant amount of time has dudes that get moved out and swapped yep. around and whatever. And that's, and I think that's what we're seeing happen with Ottawa, right? They're figuring out who is going to be the a part of the actual good teams rather than just the fun, interesting teams. And I think that's the sort of stratification process that we're seeing. They were seeing yeah, it. it it just takes time for them to figure like it, some some of these guys I think like you know I don't know what the exact like Shane Pinto for example like defensive numbers are like I have no doubt Shane Pinto is going to be able to be a good two way player but mm -hmm. it, like I, I think uh, I just pulled it up right here as we were talking like yeah like his expected goals against for sixties like three like that's not good mm -hmm. uh, it's it's been okay for him because his offense is pretty close to that and obviously he was scoring like crazy to start the season. But it just takes time, I think, for guys to kind of learn that style of of game. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, – I, I think they're going to be okay. And I, I think they're – in terms of overall rebuild health, like I, I think it's fine. 
Um, it, it is never a good sign though, if you're DJ Smith, that, you know, your, your young guys defensively aren't, you know, up to the task immediately. And then you have to get the vote of confidence. That is a little scary. That was a meaty, a meaty segment. I think that's more actual hockey talk than we usually have here with, uh, with old Craig Bolsonaro, aka Big Boss Man. Did AKA, he get COVID again? AKA, AKA, COVID? AKA Big Dingus. Yeah, they, uh, he's he's faking COVID again. Yeah, he sent he just sent he sent me another picture. Actually, it's just him giving me the finger from a from his bed. He's lying. <laughs> no, he does not. He does not have COVID. He is doing important important work things. Anything else? Do you have any any other any other random things that that didn't pop up over the course of that uh, quick little quick little spin around the around the Atlantic? Just Blake Lively's husband potentially buying. Oh the, my god! Sense. Yeah, great. I, I always psych when I'm forced to watch Jimmy Fallon for work purposes, and that's sort of <laughs> that's sort of where I was at this morning. Jimmy Fallon always reacting to any hockey related news with just confusion, basically, as if the dude didn't grow up outside New York and, and isn't always that, on all, the MSG that, jumbotron, all that, all that insanity. Yeah, right. He's not there all the time. Um, <clears throat> it seems like Ryan Reynolds is serious about this. Put put together the ownership group. That was like an honest answer. Like yeah. he go he goes on the Tonight Show. Jimmy Fallon asks him. Jimmy Fallon, God knows, would not have asked him if Ryan Reynolds did not want him to ask him because that's just how those things work in general. Yep. Especially yeah, with Fallon, a hundred percent with Fallon specifically. That dude isn't going to ask any anybody <laughs> anything challenging ever, let alone Ryan Reynolds. Right. So we did get you know. We did get the answer served up. He seems pretty sincere about it. You know, yes, he admitted that he needs a rich he needs a rich partner, he needs a sugar daddy, but you know, that can work in the NHL. The NH- here's 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 probably a better way to put it. The NHL, this is like this is a one of our regular reminders that the NHL is run differently than the NFL in, in the NBA. Is that the NHL would be more than happy to have a consortium of, of of various rich people from Ottawa fronted by Ryan Reynolds who come in and buy the Sens and are like, all right, everything's great. Let's go. And, and NHL that happens, they're like, perfect, problem solved, sign the papers, like, let's go. That is not the way it works in regular sports and, or in, yeah. in, uh, in, in other professional sports. And we're seeing example A in the NFL with the Washington Commanders. Whoever buys that franchise is going to be a super rich individual person. It's going to be Jeff yep. Bezos. It's going to be a Steve you know, Cohen deal. Steve Cohen. It's going to be, you know, uh, Josh Harris, who owns the Devils. It's going to be one of those ultra mega hedge fund, you know, super yacht folks. And that's it. Like, that's just the, that's the nature of buying NFL teams. That's the class of person that the NFL wants to own its franchises. The NHL still is like, Yo, if you just want to be like eight rich people, ten people with Deadpool as the front man for it, like that's great. You have the money, the check clears, sign the deal, you know, let's work on the arena, Ottawa Send stand put. And, you know, I think we got a little bit of a reminder from that last night. The dude is serious. Even publicity wise, if you're the NHL, you've seen what Ryan Reynolds brand and like marketing empire or whatever has done for some like third division english soccer club that now has a tv show about it uh you're not mad at all about this and by the way if you're ryan reynolds how are you gonna find your your uh 
money partners for this, you're going to go talk about it on Jimmy Fallon and you're totally. going to let them find you. you think there's right? not, you think there's not some, some, you know, investor, investor class person who's, who's like, Oh, Whoa, Ryan Reynolds is going to buy an NHL team. It's perfect. Let me call five of my buddies and we'll, 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 accumulate $800 million and make this happen. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is like 10% more is 10% less charming than he thinks he is. And 10% less funny <laughs> than he thinks he is, but he's still pretty charming and he's still pretty funny. So, and like, he's still a hundred percent as married to Blake lively as he thinks he is. <laughs> Congratulations. The biggest, <laughs> the, the biggest win of all. He's like, and he's rich. Like this dude yeah. is made like, look the amount of money he made on Deadpool alone. That's the sneaky thing about Ryan Reynolds is that that dude this isn't Jay-Z, you know, throwing in 500 grand in the nets. Uh, uh, God knows rich as Jay-Z was at that point. This was like minimal skin in the game. He owned next to nothing. So, you know, right. whatever. Ryan Reynolds is extremely wealthy because of the points that he took off off the Deadpool thing. We don't need to get in like Hollywood accounting here, but he's he's very, very wealthy, wealthier than the average, you know, extremely handsome uh, talk show host or talk, talk show guest. And he's willing to do it, so I'm on board, man. Let's make it. Let's make it happen. Maybe he can get Mac involved with this one too, like from the soccer team. I got twenty bucks. I'll throw in. That's it, man. That's it. Me, you, Mr. Blake Lively, uh, Craig. Craig is not invited. That's the ownership group for the Senators. We're gonna get to our talk with Rob Rossi here. Great stuff about the Penguins, and then we're gonna come back for the only good segment on the show. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Our guest this week, Penguins writer, close personal friend, uncle, my uncle, Rob Rossi. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I was wondering where that that uh, introduction was going to go. Yeah, I don't know. How we how we doing, dude? We're we're better than the Penguins. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not hard. That's uh, not hard. No, that's right. beautiful weather here in Pittsburgh, Sean. The sun is shining. I mean, we got great. Great days ahead, right? It's a great time to yeah. be a Pittsburgh sports reporter. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's it's not going to start getting dark at five fifteen. Well, <laughs> every single team in the city is total trash. That's not that's not what we have in store for us. What's that? Um, he, <laughs> yeah. What? I can you like? Are you going to have to like give us the? I'll give you a give briefing. us the the, yeah. the ground the ground rules on this on, yeah, on how we're supposed to handle this. I'll give you a brief briefing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad neither of us have to, have to worry about the Steelers anymore. And that's the most important part. Yes. Ross, you know what the baseball team is. So there you go. I, I they're, they're, they haven't existed to me for several, several years. Uh, 
Rossi, why is this happening with the penguins? Uh, like what's what's like what's wow. like the, what's like the smoking gun explanation here? Um well, I you know, it's it's a strange thing. It's like any losing streak, right? Um I think they're coming out of it because if you look at the way they're playing the last few games, they're actually playing better than their their results show, but I just think this is a weaker roster than maybe a lot of people anticipated. I don't think yeah. management did a great job of uh supplementing the the pieces that they brought back and i mean when you think about that they were able to get malkin and latang signed uh, admittedly long term but for reduced you know cap numbers and then they went out and spent the money whether either being a trade for a guy like jeff petrie or um casperi kapanen's contract which might be as befuddling as any in the league this year and um their bottom six isn't very good. Two of their top four defensemen aren't playing very well to the point that, I mean, they, in practice, in their most recent practice, they had Brian Dumoulin finally demoted to a third pairing. But, I mean, Dumoulin and Petrie haven't been very good. Their special teams have been, as I like to describe them, a uh, tire fire engulfed in a um, sinkhole. Um, it's just... Um, it's a recipe for not having a lot of success and that's not what they're having right now. And I, I think the, uh, the real discouraging thing is when you look at it, there's not really a lot of options that you can see for their, them having a way out of it. Let's start with, let's start with Dumlin because he's been a good player for them. He was, a, was a good player for them for a long time. I think we started seeing signs of decline last season, but the, the numbers on him are just, atrocious like for in terms of, he's been on the ice for more than half of the goals that they've let up at five on five like i don't i don't think that's a i don't that don't think that's a coincidence uh what's gone wrong with him and is there is there an end game for him like like what is the what is the most likely outcome for him in that lineup you know over the next couple of months well i think they're gonna you know slowly try to sort of limit his minutes um while he's struggling and hope that if he plays with, say, Jan Ruda, who was sort of a real stabilizing player last year um, or the last few years in Tampa Bay, um, I, I think they're hoping Ruda can maybe help Dumoulin sort of find his game. But I, I think one of the problems for Brian is he uh, – I saw him working out at the facility this summer. He, he's, he's in as good a shape as I've ever seen him, but he's had three surgeries to either his ankle or his foot. Um, on that one leg. And I mean, I just don't know any defenseman that can go through that and not have it affect him. And skating was such a big part of his game. Um, he had a really good first step and he had a really good stick. And that was something that you always, um, thought of with him. And, and now it looks like he's, you know, really trying to reach a lot and is out of position a lot. I think probably because he can't get to some places. So I think ideally they, they hope. If you move him down in the lineup um, with, you know, another defense partner, he'll sort of regain his confidence, regain his footing, so to speak, and be able to move back up there with Chris Letang. But I'm not real optimistic that that he has that in him right now because I just think that those surgeries have taken their toll. Yeah, I mean, is that the is that the prevailing logic? Because like we look, we've we've seen. Dumlin at his best was, like you said, he he was maybe not the best skater, but he was certainly more than competent. And I, I think that combined with his size is what made him so solid for so long. But like the the wild part about watching him over the last, you know, couple weeks, even relative to last year, is like 
He's got pucks jumping over his stick. Yeah. He's making like bad clears, like bad decisions off the boards. Like, is that is that a function of you know maybe losing that first step and not being in the in the position that he's that he expects himself to be in? Because it really is. It, like you you like watching this guy. It looks at times like he's forgotten how to play hockey. Yeah, in my opinion, it is. And talking to some people on the team, you know, on background, they think that's kind of it. He's trying to adjust right now to not being able to play the way he used to be, not being able to be positionally where he used to be. So, I mean, I think that's a really tough thing for any athlete. We saw Evgeny Malkin have to sort of adjust with that last year of not being able to be where he was used to be able to being um, to, to really clutter up some words there. Um, uh, like when he, when he was coming off the knee, when he was coming off the second knee surgery. So, um, I think one of the things you have to think about is with Dumoulin is he was such a stabilizing force for Latang because they mesh so well. And I think the other thing that's hurt is Latang is not off to a great start. And I think it's because he's used to Dumoulin being this sort of defensive presence, being able to sort of allow Latang to cheat a little bit. Um, and we haven't seen that to success. And, um, I think when you look at their penalty kill, Brian Dumoulin was a big part of that. When you look at, Chris Latang's offensive production, Brian Dumoulin being able to sort of handle a lot of the defensive responsibilities on that line. Not that Latang's liability defensively, he's not, but Latang certainly was able to be more of an offensive producer and an offensive catalyst because of Dumoulin. I think Dumoulin's play has impacted that. And you look at their five on five numbers, I think Dumoulin's play has impacted that because they play with the Crosby line. And I think, you know, Dumoulin struggles in a way forced Mike Sullivan in his mind to go back to his warm blanket, which is, Crosby, Gensel, and Rust, when a lot of us here have wondered why they broke up Rust, Malkin, mm-hmm. and Zucker, because that was a line that was, at least if you look at it, at five on five, producing really, really well. Um, I think at one point they were second in the league in terms of expected goals. Great. So, um, and yes, I just referenced an analytics. So, wow, I mean, I can't, you, you know how things have gone here. This is like, that's we're like we're like truly unveiling Rossi 2.0 here. Like well, this is <laughs> this is years this is years of conversations in in the making. Let's stay on it because like that's one thing when I was prepping for for this show that I was you're kind of looking at the vital signs and I was shocked at like how comparatively high and like expected goals percentage the Penguins still were despite all the stuff that we're talking about, and especially because the expected goals against are are really it, it jumps off the page. It, it's really bad. So the offense yeah. is clearly doing something right. And what you mentioned kind of the bottom six and the lack of contributions there. Ultimately, that looks like one of the big problems. These are the guys you need to check. And they've been the biggest liability defensively on the ice. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, Max. I mean, you know, and I, as I said, I think the Penguins might have the worst uh, third line in the league. And that's just because Kasperi Kapanen's on it. And it's just sucking <laughs> the life out of everything. I love it. Hold on. I Not to interrupt. I love that this is like the part of the podcast where – Rossi uses lines that he used on me like a day or two ago. <laughs> like we're just like rehashing conversations. Yeah, we had, he like, was workshopping. Yeah, workshop. It, it worked. It worked. I, re- I responded positively and now everybody gets to hear it. Um, yeah, Kapanen's been bad. Carter's been hurt. Danton Heinen is what he is. When he scores goals and in the 20 games that he'll give you goals, you're going to really like him. There's going to be 20 games where you don't really like him and in the other 40, you just kind of notice him. But I don't see him as a guy that's sort of a, a shutdown guy. I asked Mike Sullivan about this the other day um, and what he wanted his identity for his third line to be and his fourth line. And he said, you know, he didn't mention scoring. He mentioned, you know, 
generating momentum, hemming teams in their own zone, you know, being able to play against the other team's best players. And I just don't feel like they can get that from anybody out there. I mean, it's it's not a stretch to say of their bottom six, which has been hurt by Teddy Bluger's absence. I, I will say, I mean, um, Teddy Bluger has uh, in his absence showed to be as valuable as he has ever been to the Penguins. Um, <laughs> but um you know, really, Joss Archibald, who scored three goals, has been sort of one of the lone bright spots for that. Which is um, that's crazy. I, I've he was he seemed like a totally interchangeable, you know, bottom six guy who who, who could, you could have swapped him out for anybody, and he's right. like been he's been the best guy in that group. I feel like for the last but, couple of weeks. But to get to your point, Max, it's not they don't really have a change up pitch. Their third line and fourth line really, you know, they're more built like scoring lines, and they're not really built to sort of be momentum changers and that. And they can't really change out pieces because when they get Bluger back, they're only going to be able to have 22 guys on the roster because of their cap situation. And they can't really bring up some younger guys. I mean, it's, um, you hear a lot from management about how they're up against the cap. And I know, you know, Ron Hextall showed that he wasn't really panicking when he talked to uh, Pierre Lebrun, our colleague, for an article that's on the athletic site uh, now. But... I think they're handcuffed in a lot of ways of what they can do with this bottom six. And it's almost like everybody in Pittsburgh is talking about, oh, it was a mistake to bring the band back together. It's not the band. Right. You know, it's the supporting musicians. It's the, it's the, it's backup, the backup musicians. It's the backup singers. Yeah. The band is not perfect, but they're still giving you a good performances. I mean, they're still producing. Um, and I, it, it puzzles me. Uh, and Sean knows this from us talking during the offseason. It puzzles me to look at some of the moves they made when you look at the decision to bring back Latang and Malkin, because it's almost like they went in there saying, if everything goes right, we'll be good. But literally nothing can go wrong. And then everything's kind of gone wrong, except that, you know, so far the, the top guys have been healthy. Well, and that's what makes the Kapanen contract specifically so mystifying is like $3.2 million. The pieces that we're talking about them missing, these third line checkers, these guys are not breaking the bank. You could have two of them for $3.2 million. Yeah. And you spent all of it on a guy who's doing the opposite. I, dude, this is, this is seriously, this is like, this is like Max jumping in on a conversation that we had a couple of days ago, right? Like, this is like almost word for word what I said about Kapanen. This is what would make the captain deal so bizarre to me. Is it like if he hits his absolute top end, if he is as good as Kasperi Kapanen can be for the next two years, he's going to be a three point two, three point five million dollar player. Right. Like that's just it's 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 who he is. So to sign players like that to contracts that represent their maximum value added to your lineup, that is dangerous shit. And it's certainly dangerous when you don't have money to play with. And and that and that Rob to me. I know, man. I, I know we we've, we've beaten some of those offseason moves to death, but the Capitan one was was the one where I was like, "What? What? Uh, what are they? What's act, What's actually going on here? Like, what's what the thought process?" Well, when you're against the cap the way the Penguins are, and you have so much invested into your top end players um, because they're veteran guys, and they're on, and in a lot of cases, they're on their fourth contracts with the team, right? Speaking of the Crosbys, the Malkins, and the Latangs, but um, any deal you get, any any sort of cost analysis was like maybe they're underpaying Jake Gensel and Brian Rust, you know, commiserate with what their production will be. 
But when you swing and miss on a Kapanen for two years at 3.5 million, it just destroys any benefit you were getting out of that. And in fact, what we're seeing is there's a net negative now. Um, and I'm not even sure of the language I'm using at this point, if that's right. But uh, he's literally he's literally sucking the life out of them on the ice and also in their cap situation. And you're totally reliant on him just performing better. And there's nothing we've seen during his time in Pittsburgh. He has three goals in his last 51 games. Um, he missed an open net the other night that, you know, I'm not being hyperbolic here. The three of us could have missed it at that rate, you know? Um, so it's a real problem for them. And then when you have, you know, I think the Petrie decision, Petrie is the highest paid defenseman on this team. <laughs> um, you know, so if you look at just Petrie at, you know, 6.4 and Dumoulin at four and then Kapanen at 3.4, Five. I mean, do the quick math. Yeah, there goes your there goes your your web on him. The Kapanen thing. The thing about Kapanen, and not to not to harp on him all that much, but he is that situation is just it's fascinating. Hextall um, isn't even the one who traded the first for him. No, right? like you can't no. even argue like the sunk like the GM got fooled by some no. cost fallacy thing. No, no, it, they it, gave up too much to get him back. Like Jim Rutherford gave up too much to get him back. And then they actually compounded the mistake by re-signing him. That right. just reeks. It just reeks of of them being like, "Well, we got to have somebody on the third line. Like we we might might as well take the devil we know versus the, the the devil we don't, because they don't have, still don't have viable options. Certain certainly at the point that they signed Kapanen, they don't have cheap viable options to to come in and play in that role. So so you you can see the logic. They're like, "Well, we have this guy in the fold. You know, we might as well keep him around." Because God knows we don't have guys coming off the kind of, you know, entry level eight hundred thousand dollar players that cup teams are made up right. of yep. at this point. Like they don't have those guys on the way. So so they have to overpay for something approaching, you know, competency on on that bottom six. And they and they are getting burned for it. How's McGinn been? He's a guy in Carolina who kind of played that role effectively. Um, he's penguined himself, as I like okay. to say, uh, he's, uh, he's come there and he, you know, he hasn't been noticeable all that much. And I think that's the biggest problem with him. Um, I'm not expecting him to be more than a 10 goal guy. I mean, frankly, I think that's about what you would expect from him to be an eight to 10 guy that, but that checking he, wise, right? Like checking wise. Yeah. But he's not, him, yeah. he was real noticeable in the Boston game. And maybe that's where you're going to see him against teams that can play that heavier style, but it's almost like. Again, you know, and, and their lineup against Seattle, they had McGinn playing with Malkin and um, Ricard Raquel because they were so short because that's the other thing. Like they can't really have any injuries to guys like Carter because unless they can put a guy on LTI, they're just I mean, like I said, they can only carry 22 players as it is. And look, I know everybody was faced with a flat cap and certainly the Penguins you know, weren't the only team with sort of difficult decisions, but this is now the second regime in a row. And, you know, Sean can attest mm -hmm. to this, or I've probably <laughs> said to him, like they operate as though the cap doesn't matter. Now this regime talks about the cap mattering, but they don't seem to take any ownership of it. So um, that said, because they, because some of the underlying numbers are good and because I expect their goaltending to revert back to at least the mid 
mid-level performance. I do think they're coming out of this, but I will say this, you know, they've relied on, you know, big winning streaks once or twice each of the last five, six, seven seasons. Um, And I'm talking once or twice in those seasons Mm -hmm. to make up for sort of bad stretches. They've lost seven in a row or they're winless in seven in a row, I should say. And they have one point in seven games. They got Washington, which is struggling, but they don't normally play well in the regular season in that building. They usually save it for the postseason to to rock the Reds, so to speak. And then they got back-to-backs with the Maple Leaf. Um, uh, so, you know, when you, you look at this, this thing could get ugly quick, um, even if they are showing signs of coming out of it. And they also only have two more home games between now and – Thanks. Schedules. The which, schedule's bizarre. The yeah. Schedule breakdown's bizarre. And there's so few obvious avenues. Like the things that you think about with a team that's that's slumping, that's struggling. What's going to wake them up? It's a trade. They're certainly not firing one of the Can't five best coaches in the NHL. Yeah. You have no cap space for a trade. Like it seems like it's just a figure it out. Here's a shovel. Dig. Yeah. Yeah. So you hope. That. You hope that you hope that Sydney that whatever the the Crosby line you know scores eight goals in a game or whatever, or, right. or the, or, or, or the Jari goes unconscious. Like he was at, at the first, in the yeah, first couple of weeks. It's like, they're saying, Hey, Sid and Gino, we know you've been great, uh-huh. but we're going to ask you to be, to be better. better than point yeah. per game players in your mid thirties yeah. to dig right. us out of this. Good luck. Um, and surround you with arguably the most questionable roster we've given you since you were younger and could do that. I mean, this isn't the 09 Penguins where they went up and faced down that great Detroit team and you had those two sort of entering their peak and you're mm-hmm. going, oh, wow, like they can they can be band-aids for a lot of problems. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if anything, you needed to give them more help. And, you know, again, I think one of the reasons Malkin and Latang were willing to take less than maybe perceived market value to stay was to trust management would build the type of team around them to contend again. This is a team that really thought it had a chance to contend this year. And um, I know everybody in the organization believed that, but I mean, when you look at this roster, um, it's going to struggle against younger, faster teams. It's going to struggle against veteran teams that have depth. And if they don't get the, you know, all-star caliber goaltending every night from Tristan Jari um, because of the, their, what we've discussed with their bottom six and their defensive core struggles. I mean, (sighs) they need, they need an old top six in a goaltender to bail out the rest of the roster every night. That's basically what it looks like at this point. Yes. Other than that, that, everything's going fine for them. Yes. How does that that work for most people in the last five years that have tried it? (laughs) Perfectly. Well, well, Chicago, anybody Chicago, that's the Mm -hmm. thing. I think Crosby and Malkin are still, such great players and that top six is so good that I do think they'll run off a run here at some point. But, you know, the other thing is, you know, and I think Sean and I talked about this, maybe we didn't, but um, the East is so deep this year. There's not a lot of, you know, easy wins in the East. If you're looking at it from the penguin standpoint, it's, it's not like with all due respect, Max or the Red Wings, it's not like they're going to go up against the Red Wings this year and be like, Oh, those are two points they should come away with. Totally. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, look, just look at their division. I mean, um, you look at sort of the the way that division is playing out and some of those young teams that we were like, 
you know, there's promise there. Yeah, the, devil's, here. Promise. the devils, the devils arriving is really, really bad news for the penguins. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, if that's I'm the, the capital or the penguin right now, knowing what to expect from the devil is is a bad problem. <laughs> Uh, because they're not built to match up with the devil and they're not, um, they certainly weren't expecting New Jersey to be in this position. It can never, can never assume to beat the devil. Yes. When does, uh, okay. So when does, we'll, we'll leave you on this. When does the skid or excuse me, the, uh, the non winless streak, which I think we're legally forced to call it by some combination of the league and Pierre, uh, Penn's Caps on Wednesday, Penn's Maple Leafs on Friday, Penn's Canadians on Saturday. Do, does it end in one of those games? Well, ideally it would end in the Mecca, right? Because <laughs> that, that would that would just set things on fire for two two struggling teams. The but, good thing, uh, the, the good thing about that game is that one of those teams has to lose. Yes. So <laughs> I will say that. I think they're going to get off the schneid in Washington. I think they're going to put a, you know, they'll have had two days of practice and an off day between the Kraken game. I actually thought they played well against the Kraken and I think the Krakens are a good team. So mm-hmm. um, I'll say they ended in Washington, but I think it'll be one of those three games. But if you're asking me to pick from the uh, narrative standpoint, going against the Maple Leaf in uh, the Toronto would, uh, would be it. Let's make it happen. Rob Rossi, thank you, brother. We'll thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Rob. I feel like I'm catching up with the beards. Oh, my God. I oh, know. Yeah. I, Surpassing. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen you in a Surpassing. Jeez. Always. Take it easy, man. Take care. Good stuff from Rob, as always. Again, uh, it's always difficult for me to parse like things that we have talked about just on the phone or whatever, and then things I've actually heard him say professionally. So I feel like we struck the balance there. We didn't didn't spill any didn't spill any news that people aren't 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 supposed to know about. Well, I think next time you just hit record on that phone call, the the pre your your pre screener with Rob, <laughs> and then we just edit it out around the stuff that no one's supposed to know. And we know now that we don't really bleep anything out here. Like we we can get away with the average out with, you know, an F bomb here, here, here or there. Uh, Definitely a necessary thing for normal conversations with Rob and I, because we're both of potty mouths. I thought you were going to try to duck that for a minute and just put pin that all on, on your dear. Yes. Uncle. Yeah. That's me, me and me and uncle Rob, you know, we talk, he, he says, he says all sorts of nasty things, but not me, <laughs> not me though. Uh, so yeah, thanks th- thanks again to Rob. You can get all his all his penguin stuff on on the penguins page here at the Athletic, uh, and we'll be right back. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. 
With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. This is the only good segment on the show. We're going to start this week a little bit of a departure from from our typical route here. We did want to give you a quick update on the Coyotes arena proposal. This is something we've talked about in the past. It's something we're certainly going to keep talking about in the future. Uh, Tempe, the Tempe City Council, the the arena proposal and entertainment district proposal is is in Tempe rather than Glendale or Phoenix or any of the other various municipalities around there. We'll meet on November 10th to consider a resolution. They're meeting to consider a resolution that would reserve a spot on a special election ballot if you want some some real convoluted shit. But the end game here is still, and you can read about this in detail at gophnx.com. Our old buddy Craig Morgan has, has all that stuff covered. Uh, but the upshot here, the takeaway is that they're trying to figure out whether to use uh, city funds existing city funds on existing city taxes to pay for a portion of the development of the land where the proposed arena and arena and entertainment district is going. Maxi, uh, what will that money theoretically go towards to towards, uh, accomplishing? Well, Sean, the first step is the 46 <laughs> acre lot is the site of a city dump. So according to, to Craig, they have to first remove 1.5 million tons of trash from That's, the site. You know that just that sounds like a lot, but when when you see it spread out over an, over a site like over really an what entire is, lake, really, what is 1.5 million pounds? You know, unbelievable. Um, 1.5 million tons. 1.5 million tons. Okay, so that's great. Great. That's a little great. more. <laughs> Even more. Yeah. How about a gazillion trillion million uh, zillion tons? Like that's tough. That's impossible to even conceptualize. And if you're wondering why this site is available, basically in Tempe, it is. It is a, <laughs> it's a city a, dump. It's it's a city dump, and it's directly below the flight path, which to, to Sky Harbor, which is uh, introducing a whole another set of problems. So, either way, we're gonna have some resolution there before it seems like it's moving in the right direction. If you're someone who wants to see the Coyotes stay in Arizona. Which How do you feel about putting this up to referendum, by the way? Because it's it, I on one hand, like we're, I guess we're we're doing this on an election day, power to the people, you mm-hmm. know, that's all well and good. It is interesting to me to like like why have a city council if they're not gonna make this decision? The important part of being on a city council is if there's any decision that you don't want to make, you can just dump it off on other people. And that's what it is. This is politicians who don't want to be tied to uh tied to the results of this vote for good, for good or ill. So at least at least it's in the hands of of voters, and you just hope they understand. You know, the, either way, the specifics of of what they theoretically would be would be paying for. But it's you know not new taxes; it's it's diverted old taxes. If that's something that you're okay with, you know, and in your attempt, your resident, go with God. And if not, you know, vote no. And see what see what happens next. It'll be it, it'll be interesting. But yeah, either way, <laughs> city council gets no credit. Uh, see you later. That's fine. That's the way it should be. Time to dive into the comments. You guys came through again. You always do. We can always count on you to fill out the back end of the show, pad the stuff, you know, the 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 point where we typically run out of stuff to talk about if you're me and Craig, not me and Max, because 
Max is competent, unlike the two of us. Talked a lot about Logan Thompson last night or la- last week. We talked we talked about Vegas. Brought up Logan Thompson specifically. Slurms McKenzie, our old buddy, says Logan Thompson three years, two point three million dollars. He's not even on a one way contract. Should fire his agent yesterday and then fire him into the sun. He's leaving money on the table. Is that that? We'll see. We'll see what happens with with Logan Thompson. The dude's been unbelievable, but I think I need a little, just a little bit more, more of a track record before I sign completely off on him. But Maxie, is there anybody who you can think of that's on who is like who is taking over for Nathan McKinnon on the worst? the Nathan McKinnon Memorial worst deal in hockey. Cause it seemed like he had that for years. Is it, is there anybody that, that sticks out for you? Like, like first, first answer, best answer on that one. I, gosh, I have no idea. It was McKinnon for so long. I never needed mm-hmm. to have another answer. It's Kale McCarr. That's the answer. McKinnon, McKinnon, <laughs> McKinnon, McKinnon, McKinnon officially passed the torch. How about this? On, on Are we one. ready to say it's Tage Thompson? <laughs> Ooh, baby. Go Sabres. I, I crushed that contract when he signed it. I was like, what are you doing? It's one year. Ooh, might be pretty yeah, good. Then you're like, wait a second. That guy's seven and a half feet tall and can skate. Uh-oh. Emily L. is one of the, is one of the many people who are just like over the moon for Donnie Meatballs. I'm I'm on board there too. That was really interesting stuff from him last week. If you if if you have any inkling, you know, any any if any party cares about the Sabres or cares about you know, the, the way the sausage gets made from, from a coach or from a coach player standpoint, I would go back, go back and check that out. Might be Gen Jack F- Hughes soon, by the way, oh, 8 million God. a year. That, people, Might be him soon. people, people kind of nailed that one at the start too, because there was not, yeah. well, I, I, th- I think people realized that that was that even though the track record in no way was there, you know, that that was, that was something that was going to make sense down the line for sure. Jen F says, haven't heard much about our favorite American team, the Dallas Stars, from you guys of late. How about Robertson and Sagan and Kiviranta? How about Captain America himself, Joe Pavelski, Jen? Jen, Jen, Jen. I love the Dallas Stars. I have them in the top five in, in the power rankings. I did last week. I'm going to keep them there. Don't, uh, my answer d- is yes. Don't, don't, don't accuse me of, of not loving the Dallas Stars, Jen. Uh, that, that's like a knife to my heart. Tim B, just Did with you, a quick thanks for Max. Thanks for covering for Craig Bolsonaro, Tim says. I appreciate that. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Tyler M, Tuesday boys, hashtag Tuesday boys, three Zs, to pay homage to the athletic, always doing rankings. Here is, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about there, Tyler. Here is the athletic hockey show rankings. Number one, Tuesday boys. Uh, we're not going to go into the, in, into the other order. I will say Fridays are number four. That's me and that's me and Haley. Unacceptable. Prospects the, the, didn't even make this yeah, list. You, you guys are you guys Snub. are you, you guys are at the Kings table. Efa uh, comes in to defend Haley and I. Respectfully, the Friday show is definitely the best day, and I agree with that. The best days are Friday, and then uh, any day that Max Max subs in for Craig. <laughs> that's what I say. Where does Friday come from? Is it like, does it come out at midnight? It's because we record it on th- like Thursday afternoon and it comes out on Friday, uh, like on, on th- 3 a.m. Eastern on Friday. So it is, it is kind of, a, it is kind of a combo. Corey and I uh, record on like 
the most jumbled days. Like we'll sometimes oh my God. a Friday prospect series on like a Tuesday and <laughs> it will sound ridiculous three days later. I mean, that's fine. Like what's no, like what's going to, what's going to happen really? You know, I, I don't know. You guys, you guys have the benefit of, you know, you can really tailor your show to stuff that's happened in the past. We're doing a day of this week, week or whatever, uh, because people teaser. don't. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. There we go. But people don't, People don't pay attention to this stuff. Like you guys, you guys do. So, so you are whatever you say to ninety five percent of the people that listen to your show. It's going to be new information because, especially with Corey, like people just, especially the stuff Corey says, like people just don't, don't slash can't follow it on on those levels. They're like me. They're lazy bums. They rely on you guys to tell you not just. They don't rely on you guys just for analysis. They got rely on you guys to just for actual information to tell, to tell them what happened, not just why it's important. What just happened there is Sean realized he was starting to sound like he was insulting you guys as the listeners. And so he had to throw himself on the pyre to make sure. I I just, (laughs) I said it in the first segment. I don't know shit about prospects. I have said it so many times here. Like I am open. I'm open about it because the most dangerous thing with all this, and we're, we're, we're about to wind up here because Max has to go to actual, actual work. The most dangerous thing, I think, not literally, the most dangerous thing on the planet is a hockey writer who pretends to know about prospects and, and, and doesn't. And I just, I just refuse to be one of those guys. Maxie knows about Fair prospects. Fair enough. Ish. Big show on Friday. Day of record. You can go. Five Nations. You 18 Five Nations. If you live oh, in baby. Detroit, it's in Plymouth. Love it. What do you, maybe I'll bamboo maybe drive up tonight. Yeah, stop by. I don't have anything else going on. Thanks for doing this, buddy. You have any anything else coming up this week that you wanna that's that you wanna prep people for? No, nothing uh nothing off the top of my head, uh, but it's been fun. I always love coming on here. This was this was great. Shout out to uh to Rob. Uncle Rob, what up? Yeah, you'll be back soon because Craig's gonna Craig's gonna deadbeat his way out of another recording in due time here. He returns next week. Our guest is Hockey Hall of Famer Marion Hosa, who is great. We recorded that last week. Hosa uh, has a big day with Chicago coming up soon. He's got a book coming out. He was awesome. Max, he's a guy who you've talked to talked to recently. I know for your NHL '99 story. Yep. Um, just a, a He'll treat. Be great. I have no doubt treat. that interview is going to be awesome. Yeah. He's a delightful fellow. So that's what's coming next week. Tomorrow, Pete's Pizzo. It's Russo. It's Jesse Granger. They're talking to Mike Ruff from the NHL Network. Uh, I guess it says here, producer Jeff included this, tune in to hear Rupper rip Austin Matthews again. Oh, baby. And don't forget to subscribe to The Athletic Hockey Show on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash at The Athletic Hockey Show. The at is in there. If you really want to look at me and Max for some reason, go with God. That's where it happens. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating interview. And buddy, you won't believe it. This offer still stands annual subscriptions to the athletic for just one dollar a month can you can you believe it one dollar a month for six months theathletic.com slash hoggy show this has been the tuesday boys hashtag tuesday boys three z's max thanks again buddy talk to you soon craig i guess Uh, we'll see Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, 
has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.